Hey, welcome to the Winter Growth Challenge podcast. My name is Nick Anderson, and I will be doing a podcast series on the Gospel of John. Along with me will be various college students and young adults who have served the Lord faithfully at the Western Kentucky University Baptist Campus Ministry, also known as the WKUBCM. Before we get into today's podcast, I would like to read the Reflection of the Winter Growth Challenge Reflection. Is written by Trevor Champion. Trevor Champion is the prayer ministry coordinator of the WKUBCM. However, I read these reflections to give credit where credit is due. A summary of this of the version and uh, space for notes can be found at WKUBCM.com. And here's what he has to say about John chapter 17. John 17 is commonly known as the high priestly prayer. It is Jesus' longest recorded prayer in the Gospels. Genuine prayer has, he has a way of revealing a lot about a person's character, and Jesus' prayer allo- here allows us to see his true heart and character. The prayer can be broken down into three distinct sections. Jesus prays for himself, verses 1-5. through five. Jesus prays for his disciples, verses 16-19. through 19 and Jesus prays for all believers, verses 20 through 26. All three sections, though, have a constant theme of glory. In Jesus' prayer over himself, we learn that Jesus wishes to glorify God, and this is done by bringing glory to Jesus, verse 1. This shows that God brings glory upon himself through bestowing glory on others. Though the glory of God gives gives to Jesus is a different is different than the glory we may receive in John chapter seventeen. In John chapter seventeen teaches us how to glorify God and use his blessing in our lives for his good. The Greek word used for glory here is doxa. Doxa is used to describe how people are perceived, namely a good reputation, a, a servant, obedient, this term reveals to us how Jesus may have brought glory to God, and further, how we may bring glory to God. Jesus says that his disciples bring glory to himself, verse 10. So, just as God was glorified in Jesus, so also is Jesus glorified in his disciples. Continuing with how Jesus brought glory to God, Jesus here is saying, that his disciples are glorifying Jesus by following him, obeying his word, and living like him. In the final section of Jesus' prayer, when we, when he prays for all believers, Jesus tells us what this glory does for his children. In John chapter 13, Jesus tells us that by this, all people will know if you are one of my disciples, if you have love for one another. This idea of love and unity continues here. You can see that God, the glory of God, gives us in our time on earth is the form of loving Jesus, loving our brothers and sisters and living in unity with them, verses 21 through 24. And as we learned in the first section of the prayer, the glory that God gives us in our time as sojourners is brought back to him by the world coming to know his great name.
Trevor Champion unfortunately was not able to join us on the podcast, so instead we have a special guest. And with that, into the podcast. Hello, welcome back to the Winter Growth Challenge podcast. Today we'll be looking at John 17, and uh, today I am with Kira Heinrichs. Yeah, hi, um, I'm Kira Heinrichs. I'm a student here at Western Kentucky University, and I've been attending the Baptist Campus Ministry since my freshman year, so about four years now. And I've been in the worship band for that amount of time too. Last year I was a worship band leader, so yeah, I have a great love for the community and for the ministry. Yeah, so glad that you're here on the podcast today. You were looking at this chapter in John 17. We see that this is commonly known as the high priestly prayer, also known as the longest recorded prayer in the Gospels. And so what Trevor Champion says is that genuine prayer has a way of revealing a lot about a person's character. And so the question for you is, what did God show you specifically when you were studying this chapter? Yeah, so um, I really loved reading Trevor's reflection on John 17 and what he said about prayer. And prayer has always been one of the most genuine things we can do as Christians, just being able to have that um, innermost opportunity to just speak to our Father. And there's tons of incredible prayers in the Bible that we know of, like Solomon's, Abraham's, Moses's. But Jesus's prayer is the greatest in record of the Bible, in my opinion, and just being able to read it and to see his heart revealed just was really eye-opening to me and I think one of the first things that stood out is the theme of glory in the chapter along with the prayer for him and us as people and us as a church just the humbleness of that of you know upon Jesus about to be taken to the cross and humiliated and scorned he still you know prayed for glory in that and glory to us and I just thought it was a beautiful thing to remember I really enjoyed reading it yeah and I think if correct me if I'm wrong but I think it's one of the shortest chapters in the book of John but it is you see a lot of extra as you said you know of his heart and his character actually about Jesus Jesus glorifying himself glorifying his disciple or letting his disciples glorify him and ultimately the church glorifying him so that kind of moves into our next section, more or less. It's like, according to the reflection that Trevor wrote, he said this chapter is about glory. What are some ways that Jesus asked to, one, glorify himself, two, his disciples glorify him, and three, we as his church to glorify him? Yeah, so first, um, Jesus praying to glorify himself. I thought was really important at the start of the chapter and just throughout the whole chapter of remembering, you know, when he was praying this, he was praying this before he was about to be taken to the cross and suffering a cruel torture and a cruel death that still to this day kind of moves our hearts. And, you know, he says in the first verse, father, the hour has come glorify your son that the son may glorify you. And I think it's a, it's good remembrance in what Jesus is doing here um, is allowing us to remember that through the humiliation of the um, cross and what Jesus goes through and 
him being humiliated and scorned and beaten and just such a cruel, cruel thing that he went through for us. It's reminding us that through that he can be glorified because we know that this shows God's sovereignty. And through this, God has overcome evil by Jesus going to the cross to ultimately die for us so that we can have eternal life. And if you continue on into the chapter, the Lord is praying for us as people. He's praying for praying to the Father for us to be not taken from the world, but like sent out into the world. And we get into, you know, Jesus saying they are not of the world. Well, they are not in the world as I am not in the world, or they are not of the world as I am not of the world. And in the glory in our sense that comes to just um, reminds me how we are called to walk as lights to others, as the light of the world, Jesus Christ walks through us. And when we go into being in the world, but not of the world, we are, you know, glorified through him, by him through walking through us, not on our own account, and just being lights to others. And then um, you go on more, and it talks about being one as Christ and the Father are one. And that just reminds me of the church, most importantly, the unity we're supposed to have in the church through Jesus Christ and the Father. And the biggest thing that stuck out to me with that is I just thought about, you know, the disunity we face in the world just with families and friends and neighborhoods. It's so rare to find people as one and unified, but the place we find it the most is in the church and in God the Father and in Christ. And so if we have that unity in the church and we glorify Christ through the church in that way, it's again above all above like our glory and the church's glory showing his glorification through all of those being connected and us being as one and Christ being in us. And so I think that's why this chapter just shows um, above all God's glorification the most and how beautiful that is. Yeah, that's that's a lot of good stuff right there. Especially that first part whenever you said, this is showing us that Jesus has glorified God by being obedient even to the point of death. And that's what was Philippians 2. And then I like what Elsie said um, about his disciples glorifying him of like not being of the in the world. Yes. And how being lights in the darkness is such a beautiful analogy of what Christ has come to do and the third one though about Jesus praying not only for the believers who are now in like his disciples and stuff but also praying for the future believers that Jesus knew that his church would be greater than Jerusalem and the Roman Empire and that it would outlast several empires in fact that in fact that just a reminder that God's kingdom lasts forever and that he has more or less has brought his kingdom down so that we might be saved. Jesus as the king has come and says come follow me so that you may live. Going back to being in the world but not of the world it just reminds me that what it's a beautiful thing for Jesus being on the cross about to face this to pray for us. I don't think, you know, I ever realized that before. Like, Jesus knew that he was going to face this cruel death, and yet he still thought to pray for us and pray for our unity and for us to love one another as Christ loved us and loved the church and as the Father loves us. And 
you know, he calls us to, or he prays to the Father for us to be able to go into the world. And as believers, we are supposed to be lights and we are supposed to be different because we are sent back into the world as believers and followers to follow Jesus and bring others closer to him. And for the Lord above all, who is about to face this death, pray that for us. It's a very good reminder, just his love for us and his humility in that. Yeah, I think a good analogy would be like we're all technically like candles and that Jesus is basically the lighter who lights our candle. What fire does is that it lights up the room with its light and the darkness has not yet overcome it according to John 1. And kind of like what you were saying, like we are to be lights of this world, we are to be different from this world, kind of like what Romans 12 2 says, you know, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And so that, that you may discern what is good, acceptable, and perfect. And so with that, that kind of moves into our next question, is like, how can you be in the world, but not of the world? Well, you know, like the Lord says, we are called to be lights like Jesus Christ who was the light of the world and so I think when we are in the world but of, not of the world we are called to go be lights in places that especially need them like I think I know I struggled with this but we struggle with you know staying in our comfort zones or staying with people that make us feel safe and comfortable but that's not what we're called to do we're called to go into the places that are dark into the places that are uncomfortable and be lights there and show God's love and God's word there through him. And, you know, Jesus prays for us in this chapter. He says in verse 15, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They're not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is the truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And that just is a great reminder that Jesus is not praying for us to be taken from the world and taken from the darkness that we'll face in the world, but he's praying that we will be sent in the world to influence people, to bring people closer to him, to do the work that he calls us to do, but to be kept from the devil and kept from the evil one. So it's not telling us that we need to be kept from our uncomfortable places or darker places or darker people. That's where we need to go to be lights, to shine show the light of Jesus and to help those people, but to hold fast to our faith in God, to be kept from the evil one, because we know that God reigns over all and God is sovereign over all of that. And so I think whenever we say we are in the world, but not of the world, we are not of unholiness of the world, but we are in it to influence people and to bring Christ to people and do the works in that way and to evangelize like we're called to do. Yeah, I especially like what verse 12 says, you know, what Jesus says here is like, when, while I was with them, talking about the disciples, kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except for the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And just a reminder, you know, that Jesus and the Holy Spirit working together in this process of sanctification. Sanctification, big word, basically means to make holy or to become more like Christ, 
more or less, you know, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin so that we make become more sanctified. And as you said, the, how do we become more sanctified? By clinging fast to the truth, even when we are surrounded by a world that is filled with unholiness. And I think it's very important to get that point across that we are, it's so, I think it's so easy to be surrounded by a whole bunch of believers, especially at the uh, Baptist campus ministry, because you have a small little bit of friends and that you just want to hang out with them. But what God is telling us to do is go out into the world and tell others about my name so that you may glorify me. And I think that's the main reason why we do spiritual surveys, to push us out of our comfort zone, to push us to basically have those spiritual conversations, especially with our friends who may or may not be believers in Christ. Sometimes it can be very difficult, I know for me in my life, to speak to people who are closer to us, who are not believers. Like I, for me, I can go to a stranger and talk about Jesus, but when I'm trying to talk about the word and the gospel to a close friend who's not a believer or a family member who's not a believer, that can be extremely difficult because in my human self, I feel like safety and security in those relationships and in those friendships. So it's really hard and it's fearful to go out and go out of the comfort zone to talk to those people who are close to you and close to your heart. But that's what we're called to do. And that's what we are meant to do. We're not, you know, we need to pray to not be fearful in that. But because we love those people so much and we love people in the world so much and we are called to love others like Christ loved the church, how could we want to keep that truth from them? It, it's so easy to get into that mindset of like, also, you know, if you go to church, then you're a Christian. And, like, that's not necessarily what makes you a Christian. Because you be a member of a church for over 20 plus years. But if you are not constantly following Jesus day to day, then there is a red flag right there. There's a, like, disconnect. Because, because you can play on this thing called religion so often that you can check off all the boxes and stuff but it, we have to be careful especially with our relationship with Christ to treat it like a relationship instead of a religion and prayer does this exact thing and this is why we pray it's because Jesus did it and that he was having a direct communication between him and the father of saying and believing that God, can, the Father, can help him and through the time that he's just about to endure, which is the road to Calvary. So prayer also is very important in this, is that it gives us a sense of humility and that it breaks us because we pray. Why do we pray? Because prayer changes us. It gives us a sense of dependability on who God is. I agree. I was looking at a study earlier, and I always recommend with any of these um, chapters to, you know, look at more further studies because there's so much you can find just in each and every verse. But they said, There is no voice which has ever been heard either in heaven or in earth, more exalted, more holy, more fruitful, more sublime, than this prayer offered by the Son of God himself. 
a person's innermost being is revealed by genuine prayer. And so that just reminded me of how important prayer is because of how personal it is. And especially when we pray earnestly, it just, you know, it reveals even to the Lord who already knows our heart. But it's that sense of humility of praying to him, knowing that we need him, no matter what we go through. And it's the most intimate and special thing we can do in our relationship with Christ. Yeah, definitely. And that's just the beginning of it. We talk to him and then like we basically express all of our emotions through adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. We have that more or less structure to our prayer. And then also you have prayer, like you said, you know, prayer reveals our character and our heart. Are we praying for the eternal things or are we praying for the things that are right in front of us? I think so often we go to prayer mostly because of current events that occur in our life. And it's so easy to get trapped in that mindset of like, man, for example, like a relative is sick, right? Please pray for this relative. And you constantly pray for for that. And then once the, the relative recovers, then you don't pray anymore until another current event comes up. And so I think I would recommend a resource. Uh, it's called Praying the Bible by Don Whitney. And it basically talks you through like how to pray through the Bible and not have our prayers so repetitive. But we see, in this back, right, coming back to the text of John 17, I think Jesus' prayer should be an encouragement to us, saying that if Jesus can pray like this, then how much more, with the Spirit's help, can we also pray for not only Jesus, not only other believers, but also ourselves. If we can trust God with our eternal salvation, and how much more can we trust him with our day-to-day life? Yeah, I agree with you on just remembering like our day-to-day life prayer and like trusting the Lord in that. And I know I can get very stagnant in my prayers. And we, like you said, we tend to stick with earnest prayer whenever something happens to us or like a family member sick or natural disasters happen or COVID and, you know, things that we go through that we struggle in our life. But I've just, one thing I've been trying to work on is to remember to pray, not only for, you know, things I'm struggling with and things I need guidance with, but give praise of thanks too, um, because that's important too. Just, you know, thanking the Lord for everything we have in our daily lives that sometimes we don't think about. I mean, Give thanks for food, give thanks for water, for a bed, for kindness you um, see or you receive from people. Give thanks for fellowship, especially, you know, for us at the Baptist Campus Ministry and our churches. Give thanks for ability to be there, for our health. Just those small minuscule things mean so much and they're blessings from the Lord, especially, you know, when we have them, but some people struggle with that. Just remember, you know, no matter your situation, no matter what you're going going through, to give thanks to God for those things, but also just give thanks to God for him just being God, him being sovereign, him being glorified through all things, and pray to glorify him through all things. Yeah, and as we wrap up this today's episode about prayer, I think one quote that really sticks out to me, it's by John Piper, 
And he says, like, God is working out 10,000 plus things in your life that you may only notice about three of them. And so I think adding on to a little bit of that, be not only thankful, but recognize your blessings and give him glory for that. And say, people will ask you, like, man, you have such a good life. You can respond with, like, praise God for that. Especially as fellow worship workers, you know. I was the worship team leader last year, and Kira worked with me. And, like, every single time I got, I, we got done worshiping, you would have people walk up and say, like, man, you did such a great job. And how I would always reply is, praise God. Give God the glory. And so, I think worship and prayer go hand in hand, but that's another day's episode. Would you like to add any final thoughts to this episode? Um, my final thoughts, and I guess what I would say to people listening, was first, go back to prayer. Like I said, just remember to, you know, when you're struggling with only praying, and, you know, hard, hardened circumstances, try to live every day, you know, maybe in the morning, just giving thanks to God first. Thank you for waking me up. Thank you for keeping me healthy. Thank you for giving me the roof I have over my head. Thank you for the blessings I do have, and not only the blessings we do have, but the blessings that are coming and that, you know, God is working through that we may not see. Like, thank you for the things you're doing in my life that I do not see and I do not know yet. And most importantly, just thank you, God, for your sovereignty and your holiness and for being a God of just love and glory and a God I can, you know, I can come to and I can have this intimate time with. I think that's really important. And then just going back to, you know, the glorification of Christ in us and the church, just remember, uh, most importantly, to glorify God in everything you do in your life and your fellowship and your work and your activities, everything you do in your daily life should all be for the glory of God. And when you're doing things to glorify God, they're much more sanctified and holy. And lastly, just I want to put emphasis on, you know, the Lord says, Lord prays for us to be one as Jesus and the Father are one. And I think that's really important to look at us in our church. And we, especially as believers, are not meant to be alone we we're not called to be alone. We are called to be with people and in fellowship. And we are called to love others um, just as Christ did and to be lights. And, you know, people see unity. They see our campus ministries and they see us as groups and us as a church. And when people see unity in areas, they are drawn to that. And what a beautiful opportunity it is to have unity in Christ for people to be drawn to and to bring people closer in that. And in that way, you can glorify God. Well, thank you for joining me on today's episode. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Winter Growth Challenge podcast. If you enjoyed, please leave us a rating. If you are interested in podcasting yourself, then I would encourage you to look into Anchor, the podcast software where you can upload, edit, and record your podcast. Another special thanks to the WKUBCM for making this Winter Growth Challenge possible, along with the full-time staff members, Tommy Johnson, the campus minister, Jeannie Atwood, the administrative assistant, Colin and Sarah Wood, international student ministers, Brad and Kate Clarity, campus minister associate and intern, Maya DeHay, campus minister associate, along with other interns, Carmen Gunn, Noah Pike, Jake Fisher, Aaron Fisher. Harvey Swamalali, 
Special thanks to Kira Heinrich for joining us today. Audio and sound engineer Gideon Martin, graphic design art Nick Anderson. And once again, thank you again for listening to today's podcast. I hope you have a great day.